Welcome to the Generations Church Podcast. I'm Jeff Luddington, and at Generations Church, we exist to glorify God in our community, to make disciples that make disciples, and to multiply churches so that the next generation is equipped to glorify God better than we did. I'm Jeff Luddington. I'm back with my good friend, Vinny Hankey. Welcome back. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for having me back, man. I, I got to be honest. I wasn't sure I was going to make episode two. Super glad. I thought I was going to be like one of those old Star Wars characters that just never made oh. it past episode one, but I'm here. Episode two, I made it. And it's an hour later, Vin. I know, but okay. the job market, it turns over quickly today. <laughs> so we're in our series, Faith and Culture. We're going to pick up uh, another topic right now, and this one, um, gosh, it's a heavy one. So it's one we maybe need to be careful with or, or you know, just easy as how we talk about it. So Especially, no joking. Yeah, no Take everything serious. Everything serious. All right, lock it up. Straight faces. I'm ready. I'm locking it go. up. Here we go. Straight face. So we're going to be dealing with uh, just race and, and racism in general. It's it's in our news. It's in our yeah. social media feeds. It's everywhere. How do we interact with, if we go back to our two questions, how do we? How does our faith help us interact with culture? Uh, yeah. And how does our faith make a difference as we interact with those who, man, are just, just dominated by the, uh, this idea of racism and, and elevating one ethnicity over another is there any kind of biblical text or place we could go that we could not offend everyone in this absolutely not um the bible is uh there's some great passages and we'll look at one of them today um my my guess is it will offend everybody so we'll just go the chris rock route we'll just offend everybody equally and we'll be fine right all right and if you're tuning in you're thinking okay cool finally a podcast on racism by people that really get it and you are looking at us you might see two white guys sitting here talking about racism you're welcome yeah that would go over really well right ratings are skyrocketing and we're all probably unemployed now so so let's say where we're good let's say you and i know we're qualified let's stay in the bible okay there's the bible let's say old testament give me give me a place we could go and talk about racism in the scriptures that would give us kind of God's heart and maybe even a reflection of humanity's heart in it. I think the go-to right here is the book of Jonah, right? Now, Jonah's got four chapters to it, but all we ever hear about is three chapters. Now, you're a guy, in fact, you have been a youth pastor for many years. I couldn't even beat that out of you over time. Like, you are (laughs) a a youth pastor, right? So if I say the book of Jonah, tell me, What's the book of Jonah about? Yeah, it's Jonah and the big fish is kind right. of the, the cultural connection, right? The VeggieTales version, kind of the big story. Jonah's a prophet of God who gets called to go and preach somewhere to the Ninevites. He says no, boards a ship, God sends a storm, Jonah gets thrown. Into chapter 2. What happens in 3? What happens next? Yeah, so Jonah then makes his way actually into Nineveh, obedient to God at that point, preaches, mm-hmm. and then God does something incredible. He uses Jonah's three-word sermon to radically regenerate the hearts of the Ninevites, and they begin to worship God. Three-word sermon. How deep is Jonah's heart in that sermon? Right, he's pretty shallow. He's not happy to be there. No, he's not happy. So why is Jonah... So you you said a few things, and and I think if I can get a little metaphoric, if I can say here's the context that we can relate to, I think the storm is our political culture today. And I, th- I think the storm is the racial divide in our political culture. And as it exists right. on both sides, I, I think it, it's, a, it's a pretty holistic storm of racism and bias and violence and rhetoric. And, and again, we could just kind of go on to social media and all those things. But how does that relate to jo- Jonah and Nineveh? Like, why, why a story on racism? Yeah, the Ninevites are sworn enemies of Jonah's people, of God's right. people. And so when the call comes to go and preach there, uh, we... 
kind of make our way into chapter 4, after the rescue and redemption of the people of Nineveh, you'd think that Jonah, the man of God, the prophet of God, the guy who knows God's word, is supposed to bring God's word to God's people with God's authority, would be right in the m- middle of it, making disciples, but that's not where we find him, is it? Okay, now wait a minute. So would you say that Jonah... Because you already said he's a prophet of God. So yeah. that means he proclaims God's truth with God's authority to God's people. Like that's his job. Or at least to an audience that God calls him to in this yep. case, not God's people, but God is calling him to Nineveh. So Nineveh is like the sworn enemy of God's people. So it's an entirely different nation, a different race, yep. right? So would you say that Jonah in his community is a well-respected, well-loved, and considered a godly man? Yeah, within the context of his own community and his own race, absolutely. Okay, so here he is, a godly man, loved in his own community, a man who speaks for God. Uh, when God says, Jonah, I want you to speak, his answer is supposed to be, yes, Lord, where, whom, what should I say? I know in this story, he runs the other direction, but that's who Jonah is. He's been a professional prophet for quite some time, yeah. right? This job is, I want you to go say this message to this group of people, and a respected man of God says no. Yep. Why? Like, why? Yeah, I think his heart moves away from rec- the recognition of that God is God of salvation, that God is a God mm-hmm. of rescuing, and he moves into this kind of sectarian, God is a God of the things that I like. And so he, okay. I think Jonah falls in the trap of, of reducing God and re- reducing what it means to be a people of God to an ethnicity or a nationality or a specific okay. set of circumstances. Yeah. So our current political climate, our, our social biased culture. So a lot of things come to mind for me, right? A recent, uh, um, I forget if it was a bombing or, or a shooting in a mosque. Directly following that, we had the bombing of Christian churches in Syria. Right after that, just down the freeway from both of us right now in Poway, in San Diego, right? Just, man, reachable. Within an hour, there's a shooting in a synagogue. So all these things are racially, they're not, they are religious in a sense, but they're all racially motivated. They're all driven. If we could just loosen the term of racism a minute, just to say it's built on, it's violence built on bias. Is that fair? Yeah, I think absolutely. So our culture today has a lot, it sees a lot of violence built on bias, right? And so when I, when I think of this, what I see is Jonah a godly man, supposedly, yep. right? Loved by his people, yep. and he does represent God. Like, God has called him to be a prophet, so God is using Jonah. Yep. Now, fortunately, what God's doing is he's using Jonah to teach us as well as teach Jonah, right? Absolutely. And so he sends Jonah to a different ethnic group, to a different religious group, and he says, listen, I want you to go tell them, hey, here's my message to you. Change, or I'm going to destroy you. Right. And Jonah's more content with them being destroyed. He doesn't want to see them change. Yep. Is that fair? Absolutely, yep. When I think of our culture and the problems in our culture around bias, I, I think the starkest reality is what we saw a couple years ago, like, I think it was a couple years ago, in Charlottesville. Mm. And so um, early in the Trump presidency, so it's less than two years, maybe it's was, maybe it was just last year, but uh, what we see is there is an uprising of people who want a political figure, a historical figure in our country, and I'm not saying they're good or bad, it's just a part of our history, right? Yeah. Uh, generally, they, they want this Uh, statue torn down. So there's one group of people that say, hey, this thing is offensive. We want it down. Okay, so that's fine. And and if it stopped there, that'd be great. 
What happens is you get some white nationalists. They begin to speak up and rally on the other side of things. And then in response to that, what you get is Antifa, right? So radical right group, radical left group, and they collide, and violence is the result. This goes back to episode one. We talked about just division and kind of yeah. the loss of civility and grace for those who oppose our view. Right. And then particularly when we apply this to the area of racism, it's very it's very easy to draw that big division, division mm. line, right? Because all of a sudden yeah. it's not just your ideology that's different from mine, but now you look different than me. Mm. And yeah. so you get more of my vitriol, more of my, it's, you're easily identifiable as someone who's different than me and, and easily identifiable as someone not to like or not to get along with or even to do violence toward. Right, and, and so driven by bias, what happens is violence. Yeah. And I think it's trendy and common and super cool to talk about how racism is wrong today. And that's, I don't say that with any kind of acceptance of racism. In fact, it was built on racism, hatred, and violence. So I was a part of that. So when I speak to this, it isn't just two white guys sitting here talking about racism in an esoteric sense. Like, I've lived it. Right, and I know how ugly it is. So when I say something about this, I'm not undermining or, or downplaying how destructive and how wrong and how sinful and how corrupt racism is. But here's what's not said. There were two sides that were both violent. There were two sides that let their biases drive them to crimes. Even if you wanna back it up, the people that illegally pull down a statue, they're, they're still driven to a violence against an inanimate object, if you wanna call it that. But they're, they're driven to these things because of biases. Now, to have a bias is not wrong, right? We all have biases. We all see things. But how we react to them, right, and especially when we get to the, the place of violence, bias can, can drive us. So we talk about Jonah, right? So Jonah doesn't want to go to Nineveh, right? Jonah is biased. But I think the most powerful part of Jonah and the part that we need to hear today, I think the most, the thing that speaks loudest to us today is in chapter four. Like this is the part that's never talked about. Right. It's just, yeah, it's just the, the part that gets missed up, stepped over, lean over. We get the big miracle that attracts all of our attention, mm. but we miss the real object lesson of Jonah, which is chapter four. Right. God deals with Jonah now individually. Oftentimes, God will do something big and miraculous, and he'll do so in order to make a point, yep. right? Jesus would feed a crowd of thousands so that he could teach them about the kingdom, yep. right? And I think that's what God does here. God does something miraculous in Jonah. Jonah capitulates. He doesn't want to do it. He goes in right. a, a three-word gospel message. His heart is so far from those people when he does that. But he does it, yep. forced by God a bit, but Absolutely. he does it. But then we get Jonah 4, and this is the zoomed-in conversation between God and Jonah, right? And I think this is what relates to us. And so here's, if you're unfamiliar, if you're listening or watching it, you're unfamiliar with Jonah 4. Jonah goes, and he goes up and climbs up on a hill where he can look over the city of Nineveh. And it says that God causes, like, a, 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 a branch of a tree or, like, a, 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 a bush to grow up over him and shade him. Right. So imagine you're sitting out on a hill with no, with, with no cover and the sun is beating down on you. That's like where I live. I mean, that's, you do. You live in a like, high desert. Yeah, this is my home. There you go. Well, so you can understand this. It's not hard this. for me to imagine. All right. I know where it's at. Very good. So, yeah. so if you were to be sitting out 
in the middle of the high desert and it's hot it's over 100 degrees and there's a warm wind blowing making it even worse right yeah. and all of a sudden you knew it was god and god just grew something this tree that would all of a sudden shade you and cover you like how happy would you be no that's easy man put my feet up i'm leaning back i'm taking right. a nap i'm resting right like a fat cake, cake. A, right yes so, absolutely all right then so that's what god does yeah and then god causes it to die right? He withers the branch. He takes it away from Jonah. And Jonah is so angry. He's furious. Right. He gets up, he yells, he screams. He literally does. He says, it's better if I was dead. Right. Jonah's got like the emotional spectrum of a pinball machine. (laughs) He bounces back and forth, but this is the moments where he just, he's overcome in his emotional life with rage over this weed and plant. Yeah. That's, and that's exactly right. Uh, he is an emotional toddler. Yep. He throws his fit. He tells God he's angry at him, which I don't recommend, but he gets away with it, right? Yep. He says, it's better that I die. Like, literally, that's his answer. It'd be better if I was not even alive. So if I could set the context just a little bit. So here's what happens. Jonah goes into Nineveh, a group he doesn't yep. want to reach. He says the worst gospel presentation ever, and over 100,000 people come to faith. It's like 120,000 people react. In fact, the king on down say, we're going to change. Right, everybody. Right? So a gospel message with zero love, zero compassion, because of God is effective to a new people group. Yep. Jonah goes up to pout on a mountainside. He goes up on a hill to pout and look down over the city and literally says things to God like, listen, that's why I didn't want to go. Right. I knew you were a gracious God. I knew you'd save them. I knew you'd forgive them. Ultimately, he doesn't want them forgiven, right? Yep. So then God creates this thing to cover him and give him comfort and then takes that comfort away from him. And I love that God does this. God reveals to him, hey, listen, when I give you comfort, you're happy. When I take away your comfort, you're unhappy. Again, another toddler moment. Right. Right? And the message to Jonah is this, right? You are more concerned with your own comfort than you are with the lives of many, many other people, right? And I think that's the message to us today. When we look at something where a bomb is set off in a church or a shooting goes off in a church, those are like the nuclear versions of things that can happen. But the language we use all the time, we talked about division in the last episode, right? Our language really does matter. Absolutely. Right? Bias towards another people group. When God says, I want to go in and forgive those people, I want to go in and I want to reach those people, right? Jonah doesn't want any part of it. Nope. One of the things that I love that God does with Jonah is at the end of the story, he leaves Jonah with just this open ended question. In Jonah chapter 4, verse 10, it reads, The Lord said, You pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. Should I not pity Nineveh? that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their left hand from their right and also much cattle. Hmm. You care about these silly little things that you can't change. Yep. I care about 120,000 people, human beings I created, I love. Yep. So if we, if we use that context of Jonah, we look at your own personal life and transformation yeah. in, in this area. How do we experience that as individuals? How do I overcome that bias mm. that can be ingrained from, from birth? I don't know if you saw the movie The Hate You Give, mm. but, but the whole premise of the, in the context is that hate is bred in us for others, uh, and, the, and we receive it from the community and from those who've raised us. So for those who have received hate from their parents, you know, it's, it's a generational statement of sectarian division. How do we, 
how do we have any hope of, of overcoming it? What? Give me some hope that Jonah changed after this, or, or how do we get to there? Yeah. So the hate you give, I never saw the movie, but that's the uh, that's the thug part of of Tupac's Thug Life, yep, right? Yep. The hate you give, right? That was that was a message, not to show my complete Southern California bias, but right, but that is that began in Tupac's life and in saying those things, the hate you give as he experienced that, and I was on the end of giving that hate, I, admittedly, mm-hmm. outwardly, verbally, physically, like I I was overtly racist, right? But there's most people hearing this aren't. Right? right, as much as our culture wants to say racism this, you're a racist that, if you disagree with this, you're a racist, we've watered down what racism is. Like we're, we're, we're calling things racist, like we're crying wolf and using this term as, as this kind of thing to incite a bunch of emotion, right? Jonah was outwardly racist. I have a history of being there, right? We see outwardly racist things all the time, but when we see this, here's what I think we need some takeaways, yeah. right? Charlottesville was multiple groups of people. Many of them, because of their biases, were driven to either destruction, violence, or whatever, right? They, they were doing this. And so when, they, when, when we look at this, I think there's some takeaways. One, I don't know, we're gonna take the hate you give, I, I know you just brought that up and I haven't seen the movie, but I thought of Tupac immediately, like I don't know what it would have been to walk in his shoes. I know what it is to walk in mine, right? Yeah. When I saw the Charlottesville thing and the statue of Lee, man, I, one thing I thought of was I was raised was with that as a historical figure, right? That was somebody in this war that took place in our history right. and that he has a history and there's, there's highs and lows to him. But I, I heard that story and I was taught that history as a white guy. He didn't want to overtake a nation and enslave me. Right. Yeah. Living it. So you heard that as a white guy living in Southern California integrated right, right integrated right right not raised in the south under a, a union jack or, right, yes or, yeah. right so i don't know what it feels like to be black in america and see that statue so is that a part where we can is that at least a single step that we can ad- admit to is, is is acknowledging what i like to call intellectual honesty yeah right when we can give assent to the opposing view right and, and at least acknowledge that there is truth and experience that we don't have that's contained right. in another yeah, and I know, I know folks are going to be sitting here and they're like, oh, well, that's a slippery slope. Are we going to rename George Washington University and all the different things that are going on in the news right now? And listen, I'm not a proponent of all that. I would say this. I just don't know what it looks like to experience that as a black man in the South. Right. If white people in the West or in the South or in the North could just say, I don't know what it feels like to be them. Right. Then maybe we have a different dialogue, a different conversation, which gives us to at least it starts with a different posture. Yeah. Right. Like listening to understand. Yes. Yeah, humility. Seeking, right. Yes. Yeah, then seeking to be understood. Absolutely. Yeah. And then I would say this. It's politically correct to critique white nationalism right now. That's that is championed and that is heralded. But folks that spoke out against Antifa in that act got slammed. So I just want to say this. We are readily agreeing racism all racism is wrong and white nationalism is wrong like that's wrong we're not undermining that we're gonna make that i'll say it again that's wrong and i used to be that so i know what it looks like and i know how wrong it is but i want to say this if your bias drives you to violence on either side you're equally wrong even if your bias is to go beat up the guy who's wrong 
and we all agree is wrong, your violence is wrong. Mm -hmm. yep. So when we enter into this conversation, we've started with, well, what about some humility? What about, you know, what about coming at the conversation differently, admitting what we don't know? I would say a second thing is this. Don't make your next step wrong too. Right? Don't make your reaction to something that is clearly wrong. Don't you be wrong too. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. I think so. But I would say this is one of the hardest topics going on in our culture right now. And, and for real, for sure. Like we are some unlikely people to address this. The only thing we have going for us, really, is a Savior who has been good to us. And who has given us the Bible that addresses this topic. So because of a Bible story, we feel like with some confidence we can address this. I can't address this as a black pastor. I'm not that. Right? I can't address this as uh, someone who's been in a congregation when they shot it up or bombed it. I can't. Right. Right? But I can look to the Bible. I can show you where God's people have failed throughout time. And I can show you where God spoke differently and called us to be something different. Yeah, absolutely. That sounds like a good calling to leave our audience with today so thank you for listening you've been a part of the generations church podcast be civil to one another be gracious to one another and glorify christ always thank you for more information visit our website at ginfamily.church g-e-n family.church you can also follow our social media accounts at ginfamilychurch